Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. To the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields, here with co-host Guy, episode 114. You've messed up there already. Why? What is it? We got my name wrong. We got your name wrong. Yep. Ah. Uh, my name is? Guyson. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I'm still a little bit hungover from last week. Yep. Like Bryson hungover. Me too. Um, first off, thank you. Thank, thank you to Bryson. Probably should thank him first. Uh, he was very generous with his time, and the podcast has gone down ridiculously well. Mm-hmm. I think better than I expected. It's gone down. Phones off, please. Well, I'm <laughs> waiting for our guest to oh, arrive. Oh, well, okay, yeah. So we have got a really good guest today, which we're going to come on to in a moment. But yeah, Bryson was great with us. I was fanboy, I'm not going to lie, so what? Shoot me. Um, <laughs> don't shoot me, actually. Don't come to me in the street and shoot me. Um, it was great. And there was one little secret story I think we need to tell people about because it actually gave me an even deeper insight into the guy that he is when the Zoom call cut out. Oh, my we God. need to tell his story. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to work out the best way. So, to the avid listener, 
in in episode 2012, we hinted that we have a guest coming for the following week. And actually, that was Monday when we recorded that podcast. And the Bryson interview was scheduled for Wednesday. Yes. Which would have been a couple of days after. So from Monday and all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, we were panicking, like, how are we going to record it? How are we going to get the best audio? How are we going to get the best visuals? Uh, Because we do actually think about this, believe it or not. Yeah. People think we're just, you know, jokers. (laughs) Bantermen. <laughs> a couple of pretenders, but we do actually think about this. So unfortunately, his schedule had to change. He couldn't do Wednesday. <clears throat> you were negotiating with him. We had to up his fee and all this to lock him in on Monday. That's been five million quid in the end. <laughs> Unbelievable. So <laughs> the fact that he locked in on Monday, it, it was a bit tighter for us in schedule because we knew we wanted to get the podcast out the next day. Yes. So it didn't give us a lot a big window. Anyway, 5.30 p.m. here in the UK, we were all locked and ready to go. Yes. And I want to call him Gyson. <laughs> Bryson pitched up on the Zoom and he was bloody brilliant. And and honestly, genuinely, hand on heart, I didn't know what to expect from him. And there was no fee, by the way. That was a joke if he didn't land. Yeah. If people thought we paid five million, he doesn't he wouldn't get out of bed for five million oh, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for what I realised was I didn't know what to expect. And he just straight away I was nervous. I know you were. Yeah. Because it was a big deal, big podcast, biggest guest we've probably had so far. No disrespect to any other guest, but he is. And it was kind of like, I just want it to go really well. Yep. I don't want anything to go wrong. I want the audio to be good, the visuals to be good, the chat to be really good. And for you guys to get a brilliant podcast, brilliant video, which you're hopefully going to enjoy forever. And straight away, even the first five minutes, I suddenly felt at ease. Yeah, In the first minute, he just chilled on it. It was, it was just like a normal lad. Which he is, I guess. He's just dead chilled. He's really good at golf. He's he's thinks a little bit different to a lot of players out on tour, which I think makes people maybe not always like him so much. Um, but anyway, we're going through going through the Zoom call, and we think we've got everything set up, ready to go. Thirty five minutes was the moment. Was that when it was? Yeah. I thought it was earlier than that. No, Thirty five minutes. We're deep at this. Com- oh, that's... deep in the point of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. right. And the Zoom. That on the laptop we're looking at it vanished yeah and we were like what you went white i was like we literally me and guy froze in 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 real life froze because we're like what the hell has just happened my worry was how on earth if we don't get this back on even if we do get it back on how are we gonna get hold of him like we've got his emails like his social manager but what if he's busy what if he's not with him like so luckily harry and matt who who were filming it in the background had the Zoom call set up as like they were in. So we had contact with yeah. him, luckily. But for me, it was more the fact we might have lost all the visuals. We might have lost all that would have been all his audio lost. Yeah. So I'm panicking. I'm trying to open Zoom. I'm thinking, what the hell is going on? It comes up with like a warning sign. Anyway, Harry comes in on uh, his phone because he was watching it on the phone as a backup. And Bryson's there just on Harry's phone, eating some bacon, chilling, e- eating some bacon, and. You know, we're super apologetic. We don't want to waste his time. I'm thinking in my head, we're going to have to start this all again. We're going to have to start from day dot here. And he was just dead chill. Not a problem, fellas. Take your time. And we're just kind of chatting to him and hopefully keeping him at ease. Anyway, I opened the Zoom up and it came up with this warning sign that the, the video hadn't saved or it needed to convert and it might lose the file. And I'm like, oh my God. So as I'm literally talking to Bryson here on the phone and you were as well, Guy, I'm like, Oh my god! Yeah, in fact, did you nip to the loo? I think I had a bit of banter with him, a bit of chat, just catching up as a mate, and then I went to get a drink. You left left him hanging. Yeah. So I'm there saving the video. Luckily, luckily, the video saved, so nothing was lost, and I knew roughly where we'd left off the conversation. So for a lot of you listening and watching, 
because we're such professionals, you knew nothing you about knew it. Absolutely nothing. We tricked you. Yeah. You not believed that, us? Not that we like to do that. But genuinely, I was petrified. But either way, we picked it back up. Um, so even though the podcast was one hour 20, it was probably with us for probably nearer to one hour and a half. Yeah. Um, I think the most resounding comment I've seen from the majority, this is comments I've seen on YouTube, social media, even friends of mine who have texted me, their opinion of Bryson has changed enormously yes. since the podcast. I think the media has portrayed him in a bad light. People have decided to dislike him for whatever reason. I think seeing him, I, I already changed my opinion. Well, I said change my opinion. I, I didn't really have an opinion on him before. I was kind of in the middle. And then since I got his YouTube channel watching that last kind of year or so, I'd really grown to actually like him. And I think the people that maybe hadn't seen his YouTube channel but watched him on this podcast have started to like him, which is great. I think I, think I liked him. Our guest might be here very soon. Okay. I think I liked him. Yeah. I think then I actually did fall into the trap of disliking him. Yeah. From what I saw and just on social media and stuff. And even the daft things like not shouting for and a few things that rattled my cage, to be honest. Your cage was rattled. And I would have had him, you know. I think you would have had if him. If it had started yeah, on that yeah. four conversation, I would have jumped through the screen. Yeah, you would have. Ricard would have yeah, come Rick, out. You were hard for that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I reckon I was on the upward trajectory of, of starting to really like him again yeah. because of things like his YouTube, his social media and things. And then he followed you on Instagram. Correct. That's That was the top of Everest yeah. for me, liking him again. I've kind of gone over him a bit. Yeah, well, that wasn't... Go on, sorry. Yeah, so basically, I think the resounding response, and even we went to the driving range yesterday and I was just leaving just after you and a guy pulled up in his car, wound his window down, like, hey, Rick. Worst guy. You, you Rick. <laughs> Where's that bloody ferret fit from yours? <laughs> he said... Um, he said, um, you know, just I've just literally listened to the podcast today and I've got to say, I went into it not quite categorically not liking Bryson. Mm. Like not even not having the pit, not liking him. And now he's a fan. And he said, I've come out of it and already tonight I'm watching him on PJ Tour and, I'm, and I've got, you know, like the star next to his name, so I'm following oh, him and, I, and I'm rooting for him. And you think, Great. what the hell? How mad is that? That on our little podcast, we can yeah. chat to one of these best players in the world and it's, it's allowing their personality, their opinion, they're controlling the narrative there, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, 100%. As much as we're interviewing and we're asking them questions, I'm poking the bear when I need to, shouting for and all that. Poked him softly. Are you proud of that? I was I was very proud that you asked him. Do you think I should have followed it up with a harder hitting? No, because it it, if you'd have carried on, it would have been like, oh, change the record. It was like you asked it because you had to because everybody would have said, why didn't you I ask it? I, I'll be honest, I wasn't that bothered about you asking it, but I'm glad you did because there were so many comments when we announced the podcast saying, I bet Rick doesn't ask him if he shouts for or not. So the fact you did. And I think his response was mm, acceptable. It wasn't the 100% answer, but this weekend, he's actually missed the cut. This weekend, our good luck charm has obviously not, not worked no. on Bryson yet. yet. Um, there was several times multiples double digits times where he's shouting for off the That's team good. and I'd, I'd like to think we've had an influence on that i'd yes. like to think he doesn't want to see me next time in a dark alley and and me give him the old one two elaborate <laughs> so he, he, what would the one be by the way the jab <laughs> then the cross hook no straight in with the headbutt oh yeah of course he's from Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like now he's kind of I love how I was saying all this with, with such jest and confidence now that he's not anywhere near me and he's probably not listening. But in the fact that he, um, he I felt like there was a level of, okay, I've had my I've had my telling off. I'll shout for a bit more. Fingers well, crossed. It, the podcast was great. But that's in the past now, Rick. That's so last week. So last week. Um, 
just a big thanks to everyone that listened and tuned in. And if you're in the clubhouse, we um, are big fans of you, as the people in the clubhouse are big fans of you, Rick. Um, we've got a guest today, though, haven't we? we we've have. got Incy Mehmet, who is a professional golfer and a Sky, Sport, Sky Sports presenter. Yeah. Who is going to have a, a very? She's going to, I think she's got an interesting story because you weren't sure as to how her career's kind of got to where she is yeah, because she's a like, golfer now presenter. I feel like. like she kind of came out of nowhere, and if you hadn't followed her journey, you'd think oh, how she got how she's suddenly on Sky Sports. Yeah. So I'm really interested to dive into that shortly. She, like I say, she's she's due any any moment. Um, have we got time for the bits then before yeah we've got time for the bits right so yeah we're going to have a good chat with Incy um, kind of get to know a bit more and just random we've got loads of questions off the Facebook group as well we're going to fire towards you and, and I want to hear Incy's take on them as well so it should be good on today right. I think we've got loads planned um, we've also launched a new feature so Oof. obviously last week was a guest this week's a guest so we've not got loads of time right, for can I bring features. out the th- theme tune go on then I'll do it when you have we got a name of the, the new feature um, your say have, have your say have your say yeah, have your say. You can have your say. Da, 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 it's the same theme tune every time. But we're, we're still carrying on with Dear Rick, and we've got a good Dear Rick coming up in a moment. But the difference with having your say is you actually send us a voice note. So I did an Instagram story today and asked people to send me a voice note. Um, you can either do it, if you want to be part of this in the future, you can either send them to my Instagram or to the probably to the golf... To, at the Rick Shields golf show. I use that a bit more now. Yeah, because without being funny, you get so many messages on yours. If people send them, they might not see them. So either send them to me or send them to the, the actual at the Rick Shields golf show. And we're going to try and put one on now. So if it doesn't quite work, give us a break. It's, Chill guy, it's Guy's fault. Chill out. Yeah, it's my fault. But you did get Bryson as a guest. So. Exactly. So equals out. So <laughs> I've had quite a few sent to me. I've vetted a few of them and there's some really good ones. But this one is from Michael M97. So I don't know his first name. Uh, sorry, I don't know his full name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know his first name. Oh, I don't, the only problem is now, with te- now here we go. So I'm going to try and play it from kind of here. Um, really well done on the uh, Bryson podcast. Does that sound okay? Uh, really nice to see his uh, personality come through. And, um, you know, it's really insightful and interesting. So, well done there. Okay. Uh, my question for you guys is, given Rick's uh, platform and the size of it, uh, and more importantly, the influence it has over the consumer space, you know, the golf consumer space, um, you know, let's be honest, if Rick Shields says something's good, it's going to fly off the shelves. Um, so, my question is, you know, given what we can see, the lucrative social media brand deals and, and, and whatnot. Um, has he ever been tempted to sell out? Because I think a big part of Rick's success is his integrity and honesty, mm. you know, his honesty about his game and the equipment that he tests. So I think that's a key part. But has there ever been a part, a time when he was going to sell out or do you think in the future he'd ever sell out? <laughs> First things first, if you listen to the podcast, hopefully that was good. We'll yes. try and get the audio as good as possible. If you're watching the podcast, we're not quite sure how we're going to fill this segment. Oh, I just kind of sat, my eyes short. You're looking at your hair, filing your nails, um, DMing Bryson. So if you're watching, and that was a bit of a dead minute, sorry, I apologise. <laughs> we'll put some graphics over it. Anyway, Rick, Michael's question, in a nutshell, have you ever been tend to sell out? You, look like, you are the kind of guy that looks like you want to sell out. Bloody lootly. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for the knot, but there was no knot. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. Oh, we added it in last minute. I did two absolutes as not. Um, I think what Michael's touched on there is <clears throat> he's asked the question, and it's not a question that it's a question I've been asked be- before in lots of different ways. Not a voice note. Not on a voice note. Not on have your say. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But what I think he almost answered his own question there. Certainly from from he said. It's great that 
I'm influential or whatever whatever that may be. And people, if I give it a rave review, it'll sell off the shelves. If I give it a terrible review, it might not do. But I, I don't see that a lot in that. I just like to give my own personal reviews. And we've talked about reviews in the past anyway. I think what you touched on there, though, is the fact that what has potentially led to said success is the fact that I am not bought out. I've never sold out. I'm not paid by manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And I think I know that. The audience know that. So it'd be silly if I ruined it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no need for me to ruin that. Um, I think, again, I've said it on the podcast before, pretty much every brand, every manufacturer, at some point has either hinted or have actually put down some level of a hard, would you sign, full bag, full this, full that. Um, and I know a few other YouTubers have. It's just not where I'm at with it. I don't mm. need to do it. I don't want to do it. And I do believe, like Michael said, I think people, thankfully, hopefully, trust me, trust what I say, trust how I make the videos. Um, I am honest in the fact of my holding game and you'll see good shots, bad shots. As a review, I'll show you what I find in my reviews and how I test equipment. Um, so yeah, I think I think to answer that question, I have not been tempted to sell out because I understand that has led to the growth of the channel. Well, you know what's interesting as well, I think, with it? We know now that club reviews are a big part of the channel, as the TaylorMade Stealth Drive has proved. But equally, our biggest videos actually aren't always with club not reviews. They're more like, you know, you playing with Tommy Fleetwood or Sam Horsfield, etc. But, go on, sorry. But I don't think selling out is exclusive for manufacturers. Well, that's what I was going to say as well. Even if you said, right, okay, I'm going to sign to X golf brand, TaylorMade, Titleist, Callaway, but... And then never going to do club reviews again. Firstly, people will be upset because they like watching the club reviews. But secondly, I think there would still be some kind of level of people thinking, well, okay, you're not doing club reviews, but I subscribe to you because you were kind of that relatable guy. Now you're doing Instagram posts every month about the new Callaway driver and how fast it is. Yeah. You lose that. We get that off the tour pros and we kind of accept it off the tour pros because we know it's part and parcel of their businesses. They, they get typically, not always, but they sign to a brand. Yeah. And then as part of that, they have to do some promotional stuff. Some brands did better than other. TaylorMade, to be fair, are actually killing it with some of their content at the moment. Other guys just put on, literally you can tell the managers put it, just something like, the new driver has given me loads of ball speed. I love it. The Thank you. Copy, it? Yeah, it's, it's terrible. But I think you would lose that personally. But also, just thinking there, it, it, it's not exclusive to manufacturers. And you'll know this because you deal with a lot of this side of the business as well. We're just talking brands in general. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I'm very... Um, conscious and aware of the brands that I associate myself with. Yeah. So in the past, obviously, brands like Nike, obviously Garmin and the technology I use. Uh, I've been uh, related, uh, I've been linked with Lumina over in Spain in the past. Um, I've done deals with with um, Top Tracer and the Open and Mastercard. The brands that I genuinely b- believe in. The, like, like them or use them or yeah. what associated with. Yeah, the brands that I, I feel that don't, that complement the business, yeah. the brand that I, I'm, in, I'm in. And also, I'm very, very conscious, kind of going back to Michael's point about selling out, I could also sell out on content. Mm. Like, content is outrageously expensive. And again, I'm excluding manufacturers. I'm talking about people, big businesses, putting big money deals down, talking about, um, our guest is here, I think. Okay. Talking about um, this content is completely sponsored, etc. I feel like we're super careful about that. 
Having said that, if you want to sponsor the podcast, email us. It can be anything. Any old crap will do on the podcast. Podcast is a different entity. Richio's main channel, it's, it's clean cut. Podcast will flog beer mats, paper, you name it, we'll sell it. Contact guy. And that's brought to you by uh, Rick Shields beer mats that you can get these on the no Amazon way, yeah. for 10.99 a beer mat. Um, so yeah, I think to answer my, it's a great question. And I'd like to think that I'm aware enough of my own um growth and how it's got there and i'm very very careful that a few wrong mistakes can easily make the the stack of cards fall down have you got two minutes for one more thing yeah we need to go yeah right so other thing i was going to touch on then from my own point of view and this is something that opened my eyes the other day i think club reviews ball reviews etc are super important people love watching them for entertainment and i think i'm actually ringing the wrong person back here sorry it's not listen you came here for last week for really am i still on the phone here to someone you came here last week for a really in-depth interview. Are you going to listen to my question then if I ask you one? And then, and then, no, no, it's good. And then today I'm just dicking about. I just don't feel like I'm in. This is the reality people don't see behind the camera. It's what happens. I hold the fort and you just scroll all day. <laughs> I've seen that new TikTok dance. <laughs> Let me do a TikTok dance, guy. Let me do a TikTok dance. Sorry, go on. Finish your nuggets and yours. chips then you can. I'm all No, yours. right. So Club Rue is important. They're great. Yes. We love doing them. They provide information. They're also hopefully quite fun people yeah. to watch. But one thing stuck out to me the other day. Now, your review of the stealth was kind of mixed it was balanced it was very honest you kind of said how it was fast but not much faster than last year you like the look of it the feel wasn't great as you know i've been having a few shots of the stealth and for whatever reason i cannot hit it you literally, i've never seen like you hit literally it's bizarre i'm hitting my own driver thankfully quite well like let's say an eight out of ten i'd honestly say i hit the stealth of four now that's maybe less the only thing and we saw this yesterday when you do seem to catch it, it does come off fast, and I think that's I think that's all down to club head speed. It must I know be. we've not mapped it, but I feel like you you can swing the stealth faster, but your miss strikes are not terrible. Great. And and that's not for one second me bad mouthing the stealth driver. It's obviously an amazing driver. Although the paid, yes, you've got Rory, Dustin, Marikawa, Matt Wolf, Sergio, Tiger, all Tommy. using it. Tommy, and they're not going to use a bad driver no matter how much you pay them. They can't. It's great. And there's obviously a lot of reviewers out there who have said how much they like it. But what stuck out to me was how, and I know I, I know reviews aren't necessarily always that black and white, but and people do say get fitted and try it yourself. But you can't just go off reviews, can you? Because no. if I watched your, not even yours, other reviews that were even more positive about the driver, you would honestly think that's the best thing since mm. sliced bread. But for me, it just doesn't work. So it's just when that original question of Michael before was about how well the reviews are and how influential they are, they are massively. It's always testament to the product as well because people wouldn't watch your reviews for, let's just say, a Cobra drive that you said was quite good. You still should try it out and see if they like it, of shouldn't course. they? Like, how much do you think people should? It's a question for you. Then it's hard to answer. It's hard to even ask. But out of your review, how much of that should people take to the fitting or to the course or to the shop? If you I, get what I mean, I think you should almost take everything but numbers. Okay, so 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 all the things that I would say. So, and what I'm saying about that is is. You can take my opinion on looks. Don't have to agree with it. Mm-hmm. It's my opinion on looks. You can take my opinion on sound, but I feel like I've got a fairly good art, uh, ear for sound of drivers. Yeah. Um, you can take my opinion on. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, pricing, prices, well, prices, is facts, um, material, technology, the story, technology, the claims. Yeah, sorry. I've, yeah, so all, a lot of the, I'm trying to think of how we structure it. Like the a facts review. are facts, aren't they? I guess. Yeah, take the facts, the visuals. 
you can use my information on the visuals because I'm seeing it in person. Mm. You can use that if you if you wish to before you will you look at it yourself. Yeah. Um, you can take my information on sound and again until you've hit it. Yeah. But I think when it comes down to hard data, you can look at my numbers and think, okay, that's close to where he normally gets it, or it's not, or it's faster, or it's this, or it's that. But like that's the bit where you do have to test yourself. Yeah. Like that, I can't do that for everyone in the world. Yeah. I can show you what it looks like, everybody, because that's that's the same fact. I can tell you how much it costs. I can tell you the technology. I can tell you how how, how I think it looks and how I think it sounds. But then after that, testing it is down to you. Yeah. Would you so, agree? No, I would. It's almost like your putter that you use. I personally don't like it at all but you yeah. like it so if yeah. i watch your review on that putter you're gonna say it's a nice looking putter and it rolls well yeah i don't like it no so it's almost like the fact of the fact the numbers are obviously down to each individual but it's almost like the opinion side of it is like people know when you say it's my opinion this putter feels good this driver feels good other people might hate exactly. it so you still have to like try the stuff don't mm. you it's a bit to. like the red face on the stealth like I, I actually like the look of the red face yeah i do but if you were a fan of Man City I hate it or Everton mm. you might absolutely hate it yeah. I mean they've got options and the other, but that's not my position to advertise but like there's there's stuff there that you, you could be subjective on yeah should we get our guest in yeah oh okay let's do it guest is here okay brilliant right we'll see you back in a second <laughs> <laughs> we're recording thanks for being on no thank you very much for having me you're like is this seriously the intro <laughs> I'm like yeah, <laughs> it is um well, honestly, I am so interested to dive into your world and, and find out. Because I was saying before, just with just a little quick quick intro, I feel like you just came from nowhere to being this incredible Sky Sports presenter. Oh, wow. But it doesn't happen like that. No. Life doesn't work <laughs> like this. Um, I did a little bit of research, as I knew, obviously, you were coming on this week. You're obviously a really good player. And, and am I right in saying I'd love to start it almost from here? You won the club championship at Wentworth at the age of 15. Yeah, you have been doing a bit of digging, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, obviously, you were, you turned pro in 2017, right? Mm-hmm, I think so. And then, kind of, wh- how did you get from young Incy winning club championships, turning pro only a few years later, to not feeling like you've played loads, yet now a Sky Sports presenter? Yeah, um, where should we start with that? Should we go back in time? And, well, and from the beginning, I guess. Yes, yeah. let's do it. Yeah, so I picked up a club when I was four and a half years old. And I think, interestingly, golf wasn't it for me. Initially, I wanted to be a professional footballer. And really? then I wanted to be a magician. Wow. And so I went through all these kind of phases, I guess, where I wanted to be different things. And I specifically, to this day, remember the moment I walked through the door uh, where I grew up and I just turned around to my mum and said I want to be a professional golfer and I'm not entirely sure why that was golf was one of many like I said huh? and as soon as I said that I became obsessed and I think all of us golfers and I'm sure you you guys know this too we're all um, a little bit weird uh, I don't know if it's <laughs> PC to say but kind of on the spectrum like we all have we're all a bit nuts in 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 some sort of sense and yeah. m- mine is definitely obsessive and addicted um so with golf i was addicted and obsessed with being on the driving range and hitting as many balls as possible and as far as possible wow so i very much was a range golfer and i learned the game of golf quite late yeah so it was only when i started having proper coaching that i started to understand that 
long game and short game are two complete separate games. Initially, I would set up over a chip shot or a putt as if it's like a mini long game shot. Yeah. Ah. And it's two complete different games. And I learned that very late. And so I remember... And when you say very late, how old are you at this point? I felt very late. I think I was about 15 or okay. 16 or so. Now five-year-olds know the difference, you know? Yeah. But from <laughs> from like picking up a golf club at four, mm. four and a half to 15, it was just super casual at that time, was it? On and off, just not really. It was in the background mm. of, of your life, right? Mm. But it wasn't anything you were massively searching for. It was just kind of something you did every now and again. Yeah, so I'm an only child. I wish I had brothers and sisters. Um, now I've got a little dog, so I've got an extra mm-hmm. part of the family. And my mum brought me up on her own pretty much since I was born. So bless my mum. Love you. Shout out. Um, she's done a great job in working hard, putting food on the table, you know, providing a roof over my yeah. head, but also giving me a £20 note every single weekend. And I took that t- £20 note, went to my role, you know, Royal Midsorry, which is my local club. That's where I'm attached to now. And I'd spend nineteen pounds on balls, and I still have a massive go at my head pro for charging me a pound a bucket. <laughs> so I used to hit nineteen buckets every weekend. Oh my word! In a day, and I'd save that one pound for lunch, which is toasted tea cakes. They how, were the best. How good are those? Ju- that, that's one thing that, like anybody that you know that's played golf as a, since being a junior, <laughs> it's that memory of going to the golf course on a Saturday or a Sunday or the summer holidays <laughs> every day and having the fret your friends chipping comps, putting comps, hitting yeah, balls in the, the range. Best. It's something that, like, I feel so grateful. That I played golf from a young age and experienced that, and I'm guessing you're kind of the same. Yeah, I would literally spend all day in the driving range, but I still put my bag on a trolley carry four baskets of balls and then hook two on the hooks of the trolley and push the trolley with my belly so I can get six baskets oh down God. there and just spend all what day. I know. Hell? What a You psycho. should have got some loyalty card. That, yeah, didn't, didn't exist back then, unfortunately. Ba- buy 10 baskets and get <laughs> now they're nine free. free. <laughs> now they're free. <laughs> Oh, you could have been loaded. That, yeah. <laughs> that feels quite like, I know Bryson said the other day he was the junior that hit balls, but I was very much, I'd rather go and play nine holes no, and then I was have a, a putting comp. That, you that, you that still are a player. Where, that might be where we went wrong. Well, I know, but were you, was, was, was there many juniors at the time like yourself that were hitting balls, or you just in your own lane, just doing your own thing? Yeah, I guess so. And right now it's definitely the other way around. I prefer playing yeah. and trying to pull off different shots um, more so, because I, I guess with work and everything, that's where my interest is more so um especially analyzing different sorts of lies and trying to understand different techniques you know how am I going to execute this shot when it's sitting like this or if you're short-sighted yourself or if you've got loads of room to work with how am I going to approach a back so now my curiosity levels from an analysis perspective has completely changed so when I was in the Curtis Cup squad I didn't quite make the team um we were playing around and you know I learned loads from Megan McLaren who's a phenomenal player you know plays out in the states and the LET as well and the way they saw the game was so different to how I saw the game you know it could be a dog leg left to right short par four and I would take that driver out every single time and go for it because I was that range golfer Mm. that saw the target and wanted to pull the trigger yeah and and to this day still, I guess, I'm so much more confident with a driver in my hand yeah. than trying to hit a 10-yard wide fairway with a six iron. No joke. I'd much rather hit my driver. So it's always been a strength of mine. Yeah. But I guess uh, under pressure or if the conditions were tough, it would give in. You didn't have enough areas of your game to rely on. Yeah. Bar the driver, let's say. Yeah. 
So I was always obsessed with hitting balls. And like I said, I was very much a range golfer out on the golf course and started to understand the difference between long game and short game a bit later. Yeah. Same with course management. And I think that's where I struggled a little bit mm. in terms of being out on tour. If I learned that sooner, yeah. I could have been a very different player. Really? So at 15, you've established, you're hitting loads of balls, you've figured out the difference between a, a driver set up and, an, and a putt. <laughs> you go and win the club championship at Wentworth, which also you remember as well. No, so I was a member at Royal Mid Surrey and then I left for two years because I got offered a scholarship. They have brilliant junior programmes. So that's how I met Annabelle Dimmock. Right, you know, no Stephen way. Stephen Brown's still attached there. And that was from the junior programme at Wentworth. So they, they offer scholarships out? Wow, yeah. wow, never knew that. Yeah, and I was speaking to someone at Romid Surrey and talking about how we can make golf more accessible, have, you know, trying to encourage more junior golfers to the club. And the difficulty with the junior golfer programmes is to keep them there. Mm. You can make it attractive and you can help them give it a go and they'll love it. But then when you get a little bit older, I guess there's perhaps more interests um, and other things you want to give a go and then you kind of let go of golf. So we've, we've, we've started to talk about potential programs at our club, which I think a lot more clubs could potentially have. The INSEE program. Ooh, Do you I think? Don't, I don't know how popular that one. The INSEE <laughs> Foundation. Drivers all day. That sounds good. The INSEE Foundation. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so at this point, you think about turning pro. Mm. And when, so what, what was the age that you turned pro? Yeah, so I was very lucky with this. Um, and... It was totally accidental. And I think the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And I, like I said, I was obsessed. Well, I hitting 19, ba- hard. Yeah. 19 buckets of balls a weekend. That, that's, that's your hard work, <laughs> definitely. And um, I was just approached by uh, Clive Woodward. Okay. The rugby. Yeah, yeah, legend. Is it Sir coach. Clive Woodward? Yeah, Sir Clive Woodward. Sorry. We better Sorry, you just, know, you just know him as Clive, <laughs> obviously. <Yeah. laughs> and um, yeah, so he brought me into his office and... He essentially had this software program, it's called Hive Learning, where I could really understand and break down the game of golf, which is how he approached, back in 2003, the game of rugby. He broke the game down and hired specialists within each department to really work on it. So you have, no it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So if you break down the game of golf, you've got the long game. Yeah. And you could probably bake it, break it down even further. You've got sub-chapters. You've Gosh got rough. off the tee. You've got long irons and you've got mid irons and then yeah. short irons. And then you have the short game, which isn't as simple as it sounds. You've got chipping, you have pitching, bunker play, putting. Yeah. You break that down even further, starting it online, green reading um, and pace control. So yeah. you can break the game down. You can break it down even further too. So I I had like an eye coach, for example, that's going to help me with visualization, wow. understanding perspective. And then obviously you have your nutritionist, S&C coach. I had a short game coach, a long game coach. So that's where I really started so, to so understand the difference. I, I feel like you jumped like you, this came out of nowhere. Though. I didn't realize did. this. Like, did. I, I, how did how did that come from Sir Clive to you? Was he a member of the club? Was were, were I, you were you were you winning tournaments to the court? people like Clive's attention what was it that why you I know um (laughs) I I don't know the answer to that um but a coach that he was working with so he's obsessed with golf he loves the game and like most successful people he's obsessed with being the best and wanting to win right and I believe he wants to work with a golfer and he was working with a coach and I think they dropped my name and 
it basically provided me with an opportunity to really throw the kitchen sink at it wow. and give it a go because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to compete probably because a it's really expensive yeah and I left school not for the program but I left school because I wanted to be a golfer but I wouldn't have been able to do it um if it wasn't probably for that support because my no mum way. would go to her local jewelers and sell some stuff to help me play in amateur events back in the day and we used to cook our dinners in a portable cooker and have Korean barbecue with the window open in the Holiday Inn. Oh my god! So that's kind of how we used to do it, and so that support was, you know, massive for me. How, so, what, just a quick one then. How did that feel then? If you've gone from what sounds quite simplistic in a sense of just whacking balls at the range <laughs> to then having somebody that's a coach for your strength and conditioning, you've got an eye coach. Did that, did that something that you took too well, or did it almost feel like overbearing, too confusing for what in theory is a simple game, but yeah, we know it's not a simple game. That's a very good question. Um, initially, that's why I see you. Sometimes, <laughs> initially, and still to this day, I'm all or nothing. You know, I'm, and which is why I'm transitioned into working within media now and not playing as well. And so, when that opportunity arose, I said, "Okay, I'm going to really give this a go." And I was no longer a schoolgirl. And Clive, he works with professionals. He treated me like a professional athlete. And how old are you here? 16, 17. So you just left school? Yep, just left school um, at Wellington College. So I also had a scholarship there and it's the most beautiful school. It's very prestigious. They've got a golf course at school, driving range. Wow, wow. They've got their own rugby stadium. Like it was I hope we didn't have nuts. to pay for the balls there, did you? No, they were okay. free, but you have to pick them up though afterwards. All oh, right, well that's, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that, you, you then didn't hit 19 buckets of balls because no. you're like, I'm not picking them all back up, thank <laughs> exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I gave all that up essentially and just wanted to give the professional athlete route a go. So I don't know if you can dive in. So this was all funded. Like Clive was, this was all a part of the program. Mm. It was all covered. You were getting all this coaching essentially for free. It was free for me, uh, but I had sponsors. Right. So I had individuals supporting me. So the coaches all got paid. Yeah, of course. So I'm all, well, I was almost... You say that I'm almost. I was almost picturing ends almost like a bit of a guinea pig, guinea pig program. Like they had all this this infrastructure, but they didn't actually know if it worked. And you mm. were almost a chosen kind of guinea pig to go into that model. So mm. in, in the nicest term, yeah, so potentially. <laughs> in like in that in that environment to go, can this work? Mm. Can all of these golf coaches turn this superstar or this potential superstar into a superstar? Mm. But you're saying that the program was offered to you, you were invited to attend it, mm. but then you still had to fund it via sponsors, etc. Yeah, which Clive would manage and organise. So I didn't I have to find you. sponsors myself. Oh, they were good. all his contacts. That and I was sense. just the golfer and ready to go. I'm, I'm ready. Wow. So I was practising and, you know, I would go to Woburn, stay in a hotel for three days, two nights, just so I can spend three days there basically and they've got the most incredible short game area with oh, the practice best. all day the best of the best i mean woburn is fantastic it's i mean this is not an adult no no ever, it's an un- it's unbelievable facility brilliant facility three you know great championship tournament venue yeah. golf courses all very different and i'm a big fan of it so. what's the what's the woodland kind of short game area called now the travis yeah. stock area yeah travis yeah. is that where where we, did we that? went yeah and they've got like the tightest woburn performance i haven't center. seen that yet you're not, you're not allowed incredible. to go in there though are you is that right? Well, well you're not, yes. You're Cobra. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the, the doors won't open. You just go and talk. <laughs> just uh, that um, chipping area. Did we go on that? Yeah, yeah. Did, it's one we had a... Yeah, we did, didn't we? We had a chipping comp. I don't think it was a comp. Yeah, who won? It was like a... <laughs> yeah, 
that yet. That wasn't a comp, was it? No. It was like a friendly like knockabout. Do you know what I mean? I tell you what, that chipping area was that good. We played, we, we played for cheesy chips. Yeah. <laughs> I got his head covered. Yeah. But like, it was that was speaking of again being a junior golfer. Like we were on there probably an hour at the time. Oh. I can't remember. And you do go back to being a junior again. Like, do it, you know why that place is so good? In my opinion, because it's like a golf course. Yeah. Mm. Most practice facilities are far removed. Practice facilities. Yeah. Whereas this place, you're in the middle of the woods and, you know, there's a gate that you have to go in with a code as well, which makes it feel special. You've got two putting greens and you can putt on both of them. You can pitch onto them. You can hit long bunker shots. You can pipe it and thread it through the trees, all go over them. I mean, you can play some incredible games. It's like being on the golf course, but you can practice. So that's where you were practicing. Yeah, and I would genuinely repair my pitch marks as well because it felt that special. <laughs> <laughs> Which you should do. Um, yeah, so so this was you. You were you were grinding, and was it was it pretty easy transition then to turn pro? Had you turned pro at this time? Like, just paint the picture of that. Like, did you have a handicap at this time? Yeah. So, like I said, I left school. So then I was with Clive Woodward and part of that program, and I went from being a schoolgirl to being treated like a professional athlete, which I think was huge. Mm. Um, taking it seriously from a young age ha- made that transition feel so much easier because it was slightly indifferent. It, whereas when you're an amateur and you enter the professional world, you can almost create a huge gap for yourself. Whereas kind of being used to all that beforehand helped. So I did enter the tour with a lot of confidence, I guess. It's it's almost a bit tiger-esque in the way his dad trained him as he was a pro before he was even a pro. Yeah. He was a, he was a world beater before he was ever a world beater. Mm. And I think if you have that mindset, then you obviously, when you do transition into like, say being a professional golfer, it's not, not massively that different to you. Really. Well, if that's the route that you want to take and that's the final destination, I guess you've got to have that mindset and that attitude beforehand. Yeah. You're not going to transition once you're there. Not at all. So that was absolutely massive for me. And so First year on tour was great, really enjoyed it, had a really good start. I remember my first tournament was out in Morocco and I think I finished 12th or something, but it was a year they were picking players for Solheim Cup. So you had, all, you know, Susan Pedersen competing in it. So I'm, I'm walking around as a 17 year old and this is pretty cool. You know, playing in Morocco, which is one of our bigger prize fund events. Yeah. Uh, the European tour players back then, now DP World Tour, yeah. um, competing in the same tournament as you. So it's got a real professional vibe and I finished 12th and had my first paycheck and I was like wow this is pretty easy and I think to this day that was my best LET finish <laughs> did that did that almost did that almost spoil you a little bit almost like you came out and was like I can do this yeah like did it almost like surprise you or shock you or almost change your mindset going into future events potentially yeah a little bit more so I guess and like I said it gave me a lot of confidence however what I felt was as soon as I started to struggle a little bit as an amateur transitioning into a professional and having a good start to the year, I never really struggled before. Mm. And so when you start struggling and I think people react differently as well, I felt like I couldn't afford to miss cuts. And at that time I was, I was with Clive towards three years in and I ended up walking away from it about three and a half years later. And I started to apply a lot of pressure to myself. And I, I, I think Rory McIlroy's talked about this, but when you play golf as an amateur and you play professionally, you do 
play for different reasons. It's now your job. Yeah. It's now your profession. Yeah. It's your occupation, and you don't play. Yes, you play it for the love of the game. However, it really matters now. And so when I eventually walked away from the program, I walked away from sponsors as well. And I was funding it, I guess, from my own pocket. And it started to get really hard. <laughs> Just the question then. I mean, when you, I think I think I know the answer to this, but I want to hear it come from you, I guess. But when you look at like the Open Championship, the Men's Open Championship and the silver medal winner, so the leading amateur, mm. If you go down that list, it's almost like 50-50. Half of them go on to be amazing names, i.e. Rory, who you just mentioned. Mm. Half of them go on to be people that you've actually never heard of. And actually, when you go on Wikipedia, they don't even have like an actual Wikipedia page. It might be just yep. Joe Blogs from 1971 <laughs> or whatever. And, and you hear so much about like how that transition from the amateur game to the pro game is so difficult. What are the... I mean, because obviously the ability is there, I guess. If, if you win a silver medal in the men's open or whatever, you're a good golfer, clearly. What's the hardest? Is it that pressure that I've got to make a living, or is it just the athletes out there are just so good they're even better than you could ever have imagined? What is? Is it the travel? What's the number one thing that makes it so hard to go from amateur to pro, or is the one? For me, I can only speak from my experience, I guess. And for me, I remember rocking up on tour and comparing myself to others. So Lydia Cole was world number one then, and she was younger than me. Right. And I was, I yeah. told myself, "What are you doing? Oh, really? She's she's younger than you, and she's world number one." Look wow. at the way she parts. She doesn't miss anything. And so I went out there and compared myself to others, which was a total waste of time. Yeah, You should never spend your time comparing yourself to others, I think. It's interesting. I, I would 100% be doing that. Oh, I would. Yeah, yeah. I would 100% be doing that. I'd, I'd, whether it obviously whether it's right or wrong, whether it it spurs some people on, mm. it, it demotivates some people, I know from my own mindset that would be the first thing I would do. But I think... I think that's good if that's how you feel and if that's how you react best. Yeah, like Tiger, Tiger versus yes. Jack. Tiger, the, the stories always were that he had like picture Jack Nicholas on his wall and he knew that he wanted to beat the 20 majors, yeah. 18 majors, is it? Um, like that was his goal. His drive. He was comparing himself. Yeah. That drove him. Other mm. people, it can really hinder, I guess. So I think reflecting on my experience, I can only see that as a distraction for myself. However, we're all different human beings. We think differently. And if, if someone thinks that's motivating and they get better results, and it's an absolute blessing that you know that and you're aware of that and you can feed off that. Mm. So I think having an understanding of what works best for you is super important. And that wasn't for me, but I've learned from it. Mm. So I feel like, again, this, you're, and I'm really interested. So it's, it's, you're struggling you'd almost class it as maybe you'd even just categorize it yourself almost failing yet you'd never experienced failing up until that point and it kind of shocked you and you didn't know how to react did was there a way to come back from it did you see success again was it or, or was that the stage of kind of you stopping to to play really competitively yeah I think when I struggled for the first time I obviously found it really difficult and that's when you maybe start overthinking a lot as well. Of course. And so you ask yourself a lot of questions. And I, in all honesty, did lose my love for the game for a bit. And it, I think it's because you give so much to the game and it only felt like it was going the other way for me. Yeah. And so I spoke to my management and I said, you know, I'm, I'd be really interested in giving this a go, which is media. And so we contacted Sky and asked if we could be a guest. And that's basically how it started wow and um rightly or wrongly i was speaking to dave allred 
Don't know him. Who is, who, um, is a performance coach. He worked with Luke Donald when he was one okay. number one and Molinari as well. And um, he's working with Jason Scrivener on the tour at the moment. And I was just speaking to him and I was trying to, I was trying to explain to him how I created a timeline for myself to have a better understanding and help me make a decision. Because like I said from the very beginning, I'm all or nothing. Yeah. And so I've just turned 25 and... If I want to compete, I want to compete against the best in the world. Yeah. And if you're the best in the world, you've got to have that belief. And I guess struggling for a good year or so um, didn't help. And with the pandemic, we lost a load of events and I had bills to pay. And so that kind of influenced my decision in creating this timeline of if I'm going to compete, got to compete against the best in the world. And I have to play on the LPGA tour and the quickest I'll do that realistically is probably in two years time because of the pandemic tour schools um and I'll be 27 by then and like all things if you want to leave a mark you can't do a job for four or five years and walk away from it you've got to do it for a good 10 years or so and so I thought by then I'm 37 and I would love to have kids one day yeah and and if you're an athlete, it's all about you. Mm-hmm. You you are working 365 days a year. You've got to sleep well. You've got to eat well. You've got to train. You've got to practice. And I thought, do you know what? I don't think it's for me. That that seems a very big and very mature decision for somebody that's quite young. That's played golf for so long and had aspirations from being such a young age. Like it seems a very kind of level. I mean. Very it level. Seems head. like almost quite calculated, almost yeah, beyond like, beyond your years. Yeah. Well, I I think if you if you're going to compete, you can't be worrying about any of this stuff. No. And I was worrying about all this stuff because, you know, family situations or home situations, whatever it is, it inf- your environment influences you. Yeah. And so I felt like I couldn't afford to give that a go because I couldn't afford to lose it. I get you. And so I had to make a decision. And I still love the game and I've, I've fallen in love with the game probably more than ever now. And I absolutely love playing, but the pressure's gone. I'm playing for the reasons why I started playing golf in the first place. Yeah. So that has changed. I get to still work with some of the best players in the world, some of the best coaches in the world and get insight to that as well. So some, I don't want to sound negative, but sometimes looking at yourself in the mirror and going, do you know what? This isn't for me. Isn't the worst thing in the world. And yeah. that's me being totally honest with myself yeah well that's something we've discussed on the podcast before in in different situations but golf's a strange sport because you know if you were playing football for arsenal let's just say and you weren't performing very well and you got dropped you might get to a lower division team and you might get dropped again and you kind of almost get told that you're not good enough which can be very hard to take i guess and you should never obviously give up on your dreams we kind of know that but in golf as long as you're willing to pay the entry fees no matter what tour it's on you know if you go lower tours you're gonna just keep playing aren't you i guess it's it's having that kind of making that decision to say like i'm stopping it must be hard there's nobody that in golf is going to tell you you're not good enough yeah really Mm. yeah you almost have to tell yourself in a in a crazy way because i think in golf certainly if you say i'm not good enough you probably have a hundred people telling you no you are Mm. you are good enough you can do this you can Mm. do this you might have a few really really close friends or people you really trust or parents or whoever family members that might go you know what, this might not be working out. This might be not the pathway that you want to go for. But I think in golf, more than uh, probably individual sports, I'd say, but mm. golf, certainly, if you've got the money, you can play golf mm. professionally. Mm. Well or not, you might lose every single tournament and never make a cut. But if you wanted to, you could do. Well, in this game, you <clears throat> lose more often than you win. Of course right? you do. 
I mean, you've got a field of 140 to 50 players and there's only one winner. Yeah. Of course there is. It's crazy. So you lose a hell and of a lot more often than winning. And what baffles me is a lot often it's just an European tour, even the PJ tour. tour. Sorry, DP World Tour. <laughs> but somebody will win an event, the best in the field that week, miss cut the next week. Mm. It's, it's man- like, mental. Was it Sam Horsfield did that we yeah, were talking to? He him. did. He'd won and then it's the next... I mean, obviously there's things going on, you might celebrate too hard or whatever, yeah, but yeah. like... <laughs> That's just the crazy that you can be so on it and it's just golf is a hard game and if you're not playing well, it's very, very hard. I'm going to come on to the media thing in a minute, but do you now, do you regret any not playing professionally? Not at all. Done. A lot of people do ask me, do I miss it? And don't get me wrong, I'll scroll through my Instagram of when I was playing and competing and I do miss... I guess, striving towards excellence, but I'm still striving towards excellence in a different yeah, field now. Yeah. So that's why I've got no issues with that transition because I still have a passion and I still have a burning desire to excel at something. And you're still working in golf. And, and you, yeah. you know, you're still, you're still you still, you love. Do you, and I, I think you've answered this question already, do you think there is ever a time when you go, I might give it one more <laughs> shot? Do you think there's ever a point? And, what, and, and if, if so... Is there a factor or one or two factors that would go, go on then, Incy? This could be tomorrow one. when you're playing golf, because I know you play it and you go birdie, birdie, eagle, finish. You're like, actually. Do you know what? There are definitely moments where I ask myself that question, but then I'll very quickly go, don't be silly, Incy. You haven't been practicing. You haven't been playing. But, However, but that belief, <laughs> that belief of could I do it? Absolutely. Really? Because I know that I can hit the ball far enough. Yeah, yeah. The short game is an art and it was very good at one point. So I can absolutely get it back and if not be even better. The technology has improved. So absolutely, I've, I feel as though, yeah, I could do it still. But I recognise that it's actually not what I want to do. And I'm, I fall in love with the game again, but doing something else. And I'm happy about it. Yeah. Great. That's class. And, and almost... Now, as you mentioned before, this kind of timeline that you painted pre-media, mm. this timeline of golf, and obviously factoring in time for family and stuff, which I, I really want to come on to that as well in a minute. Not obviously personal, but like it's something that female athletes do have to consider. Mm. You know, I think I had we had uh, Annika Sorensen on the podcast, I did a Zoom with her, and obviously she went out the game of, was it nearly 15 years or something, or 20 years, where she had a family, mm. but she'd done so much beforehand. She was already a legend in the game, and she's kind of come back again and, and still doing incredibly well. But that must have been a factor in her life plan, et cetera, et cetera, where it is something that female athletes do have to deal with. Um, I'll come on, I'll dive into that a little bit more in a minute. Um, what was my other follow-up question on that? It was... Um, I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> Quick question though, Mike. Why, why are you thinking about that one? Quick that? question. I saw yesterday... Or the it was before, great tea up though. <laughs> I saw... Oh, um, <laughs> it's like watching Rick. I'll oh, come on to... Yeah, um, I'm struggling now. I saw, I think, was it yesterday or the day before that the Jazzy Golf has set up this kind of women's mm. golf initiative. And a question I had then, obviously it's hard for me to kind of vision this being a, a man who plays golf, but is it hard for girls to get into the game or for women? Like what... Is there a lot of challenges out there? Because obviously I haven't experienced them naturally. Like, is it... Is it tough to, to get into the game? And, and when you were a junior as a girl, I mean, I, was, I remember as a junior, I was very fortunate that my golf club was very accommodating to juniors and we had a thriving junior section. But equally, you can get looked down upon as a junior. And I'm guessing as a, a female junior, was that even harder? Was the struggles or was it kind of 
easy for you? Yeah, so again, with my kind of personal experience, it was pretty easy because, as you can tell, I'm a bit, bit of a tomboy. I was very comfortable, and I played football. I was very comfortable being around guys. So that was my comfort zone. So being a member, a junior member, a female junior member at a golf club where you're surrounded by boys and men, I didn't really think much of it. And in fact, that probably spurred me on because I remember walking past and you had a junior competition where the lowest handicappers would play first and I was teeing off last because I probably didn't hit it anywhere near as far and I played off 36. So I remember looking at those guys and going, whoa, they hit it a long way. But I want to hit it as far as them as well. So that actually spurred me on. And watching these juniors um, go around and shoot five over or whatever that was amazing to me and that absolutely motivated me and want to get better and want to beat these boys so I would say from my experience it only did good however there are loads of other girls and women that aren't necessarily like that and they might be intimidated by being surrounded by loads of men or boys or they might feel like they don't fit in or they're different or they've never played the game before and there aren't other girls or other female pros in the pro shop that they can speak to who's relatable etc so that can definitely be a huge barrier and also overall I'm making this comment in an incredibly generic manner uh women's golf clothes is nowhere near as cool and as comfortable uh back in the day anyway compared to men's stuff as well and that's another barrier because dress code rewind your watches 10 years ago was very different Mm. so yeah I, I think there was lots of barriers and there still are to this day However, I think it is moving in the right direction. Do you think there's a lot less barriers? Yes, definitely. It, it seems that way anyway from, from the outset. Like I say, it's hard to put our kind of... Um, I can't get my words out today. <laughs> we can't put our position in the same as you because like I say, I'm probably similar to Guy. It never really fazed me and never bothered me. But trying to put our feet in your shoes, it's like there are certain situations where you do get intimidated or looked down on or whatever that may be and like I say sometimes it's it's dealt differently individual to individual you saying you you were a bit tomboyish or whatever and you were you were happy to spend time with these boys and and men or whatever but mm. there are a lot of women that, that don't and they want to feel comfortable and they want to feel good in the clothes and they want to feel like they know what they're doing and they want to be supported and helped and you know encouraged as well and I, I definitely think from what I've seen over the certainly even the last five years I feel like it's improved enormously leaps and bounds mm. to the point where I've got two young girls and a little boy I can't wait to get my girls into it and, I, and I'm nowhere near kind of worried or or concerned as much as I might have been 20 years ago as such yeah it's definitely changed loads and if you look at golf clubs I think they want to have more junior programs to get more juniors involved and also if you look at manufacturing companies this is a no-brainer but they're actually hiring female designers to design female clothing whereas back in the day it used to be all men so you know our bodies are shaped differently so even the way the clothes sit on your body it's got to be cut differently for it to fit well and for us to feel great in it and so yeah I think manufacturing companies and golf clubs can do an awful lot and they are doing a lot more which is great for us um so yeah I think overall it's definitely moving in the right direction I can't quite remember my question before (laughs) so I'm now going to move a little bit more into to media into so you had this idea that you've to get into media did that just come out of nowhere like what how did that come how did that come about yeah pretty much i i mean henny koyak yeah who used to play on the ladies european tour 
obviously worked for Sky and then she went to the States and worked for the Golf Channel and she's back now. So welcome back, Kenny. Yes. But you played really it. Nice. What was it? What was it? Uh, I played, played with her, the British Masters when she was still with Sky Sports. Yeah. Uh, and literally, almost like a couple of months later, she moved she out to the States. She got that job with Tiger and we were like, oh my God. And now it's like, she's like Tiger's ever. like personal know, interviewer. How cool is that? Really? Like? Is that is, must be the coolest job in golf, I think. 100%. So Ince is like, I've got my eye on that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think Henny does an amazing job with it. Um, so I'm best friends with one of her one of her best friends. And I was speaking to our mutual best friend um, about the job and the role and how I was struggling with the playing front, but I had other interests as well. And I thought, you know, Henny was a player and now she's transitioned into media. And so that was a bit of an eye opener for me. And um, yeah, she's a lovely girl and I think she does an amazing job and I wanted to give it a go as well. So got I, the st- I can't quite remember um, Henny's story. Is it is it then somewhat similar? Did she almost... I have no idea. She was Probably playing. Yeah, obviously she was definitely she was playing a player. on tour. Because I must admit, again, before even you dived into that, I just totally presumed it was something injury-based or, or something happened mm. injury-wise and you went, nah, I had it. injuries I as well. It. Okay. That, that was part of you know, when I struggled as well with tour and not getting the results that I wanted, it's because I had tendonitis in both my wrists and predominantly on my left. And then I also had a disc bulge in my lower oh, wow. lower back too. Oh, okay. So I had injuries along the way. Right. Which made it difficult to practice just as hard, if what not harder. probably made your decision then to move away probably slightly easier. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're injured, we cannot work and make an earning. No. So... That's, yeah, part of the decision-making process. I had to take all of that into consideration relatively young. And I've got both wrists are injured and my lower back flares up every now and then. I struggle to walk. 19 buckets at the driving range caused that. I'm going to get Bryson to Shambo. He's got He's a back and wrist injury too. He's our mate, actually, isn't he now? I do, we know Bryson. <laughs> really well. Yeah. I'm, I'm very jealous. We, <laughs> <laughs> we know what's... We've said this before, I think, on podcasts, but certainly with yourself now, like Nick Doherty and, and other people like that, but and, and obviously Rick is a figurehead for this, what I'm about to say, but it just shows that so many careers for golfers who actually don't end up being or wanting to be a golfer. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, you can work in the media, you can be a YouTuber, you can work for a golf brand, you can do demo fitting days, you could work in retail. Like for the youngsters, we have a lot of youngsters listening who obviously aspire to be golf pros, as did I, as did Rick, and I wanted to play on tour. I was nowhere near good enough. I think we all did at some point. Yeah. Look at what you do now. Well, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. So it's like, certainly, I know at some of the golf, there's a golf college, Myersco in Preston, where Rick went. Isn't the part of the module now like, actually about like golf YouTube and stuff, I believe? Yeah, even some of the exams now. And even on the PGA course, yeah. the actual professional golf association uh, like trainee course there's assignments about media and i've seen assignments about youtube yeah like people (laughs) go and follow x y and z youtuber tell me what they do good tell me what you do bad how how have they marketed it and i'm like this is crazy because i I didn't Mm. know it was a job back Mm. in the day it wasn't it wasn't anything that could have been a job um but like I say, it's it's STEM now, and I love putting on my golf shoes every day, pretty much, and calling it my job, even though I'm not a tour pro. Well, that's it, and it sounds bad. There'll be a lot of youngsters listening or whatever, and statistically, a very small percentage will make a living from playing golf. That's just a fact. But for those that don't, there's so many exciting jobs, and yeah. social media's opened up a world more, or actually giving people the eyeballs to see. I remember a, um, a TikTok went viral a little while ago. Sounds sad, this. About a lad who is in America, and his job was like a Titleist golf ball fitter. And he had like a little TikTok of his day. He's like, right, I woke up in the hotel, go to the fitting <laughs> event. And that's similar to what I used to do in my old job, but it just shows But you don't have yeah. to get on tour to, to, to work in, in the sport that we obviously all love. And I think that's good for people listening. Huge. So explain the first, 
Sky, so your management company reach out to Sky, I presume. Mm. Sky say, let's give this a chance. Was this easy? Was it not? Was like, was oh it? Oh my gosh, Rich. I'd be so scared. <laughs> it was the most horrible experience ever. I, I remember. And, and for just a quick one, you've had no background in this. No. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> you know, my intentions are fully to be a player at this point. And so I, I get an opportunity to sit in the guest seat and um, Sarah Stark, bless yeah, her, yeah. was presenting the very first time I was in the studio in the guest seat. And um, I think my manager was in the gallery behind. And it's it's an artificial setup, isn't it? A I studio. In, yeah. Because you've got these big lights, big cameras, and some a, a lovely, friendly face. A bit like what we've got here. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is going to ask you a very simple question. And thank goodness the producer said, why don't we do a quick rehearsals? Because usually they don't do rehearsals because everyone's so professional. Um, and so Sarah Stark just asked me a very simple question and I couldn't get a single word out. So it was the most heart-wrenching experience ever and thankfully when it came to the live um you know when the cameras were rolling I managed to spit something out but I remember feeling incredibly nervous to the point you start thinking about what your next word is going to be and you feel like you're stumbling and the camera's rolling you've got nowhere to hide it's not like see you guys I can't do this anymore you've got nowhere to go and um obviously it's got you've got a lot of eyeballs on you too and all of you know this and it's live and it's live. So all these thoughts were going through my mind. I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? I don't want to be here. <laughs> so it was really hard to start off with. But like all things, the more comfortable you get and I guess reps, the more reps so they you must have. have. They must have liked you. You must have done a good job, yeah? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have that? Be grateful. Do you still have that little bit of nerves now before a live broadcast? Obviously, I guess it's much more controlled, but you still get that little bit of butterflies and yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. But it's, it can also be blended with a bit of excitement mm. as well, right? So... Um, you know, my my voice doesn't shake anymore, whereas it, before it felt like it did. So I was yeah. super, super nervous. Um, but now it's just, you know, I'm excited. Let's get going. I can't wait. You know, normally when you're at OBs, which is, um, oh, come on, outside broadcasting, you know, you're in a beautiful venue. You've got players in the background. It's it's pretty chill. It's nice. So explain to our listeners, certainly because we have a lot of US listeners, what, what are your main roles for Sky Sports right now? I think we're still trying to work that out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've done a bit of on-course commentary, which is what I did uh, just over a week ago. I'm just trying to cool down my tan. Um, (laughs) That was in Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi at Yaz Links, which was a beautiful venue. Was it mega windy? On Friday. On Friday, we had 35 mile an hour winds and they got suspended. It was nuts. Um, So yeah, a little bit of on-course commentary, a little bit of presenting, although I... doesn't feel right so to say on that. course commentary is you literally out on the golf course with a microphone headset pack on your side is it a little backpack or not you can have a backpack you can fit it all in a backpack but i had i don't have one yet um otherwise it's all in the belt and it's it's actually a lot of equipment so you've got your mic like you said you've got a little box that clips onto your belt so you have to flick it forwards to speak to your producer directly flick it back if you want to talk on air and then on the right is your walkie-talkie so you can control the volume, control the program, because sometimes it might be Sky, other times it might be World Feed. I don't know if that means yeah, yeah, much get, to you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know what that means. So this is almost a feed that Golf Channel take from yes. Australia TV, Golf Channel take from, whatever it may be. World Feed goes everywhere, all over the world, and you've got um, production ch- channels that can make their own programs out yeah. of it, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, and then I have a fanny pack 
just so I can put my course planner, my bush nor, have my pen, have my phone. Because initially I thought on-course commentary would be the easiest because as a player, you're talking about the game. Of course. So you can go up to the ball, see how it's lying. If it's sat down, it eliminates certain shots that they can't execute. Or if you're short-sided, you can analyse all this. But you don't do it for one ball. You do it for three balls in one group. And you're walking ahead. And if they're wearing similar outfits as well, it's quite difficult oh, yeah. to tell who's who. And you've got to remember whose ball was who and how it was sitting. And they all have different yardages. You're just hoping someone has a telemade ball, a tightless yes. ball and a bridge stone. <laughs> so and that then, makes it easier. Do you then actually bush all the distance? That what the bush null was for? No, the because they don't add up with the TV numbers. Ah, okay. So you can use your bush null numbers as a guideline. Or there's obviously paint on the fairways and you've got your course book you yeah. the yardage book so you can work out what it is to the front but you can't say it's 163 and the tv number says it's 165 how, how does how does the tv know if it is because we've got pole boys so that you've got these guys with the backpacks yeah, like, on yes. and they basically tap on their thing which is obviously connected to the gps which works out the yardage to the flag for every okay, not for every player for every player every shot and that's every player in the whole of the field, field yes so they're dotted around on every single hole and they're there from the very beginning to the very end. Can you not nudge them and ask them the yardage? I could, but because of betting, you can't have access to that in that moment, just in case. So it's all very top secret. Yeah. What the hell? It's pretty mad. I feel like I knew this world, but I don't know it one bit. <laughs> like what? I di honestly didn't know any. Of, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So they will not give you those numbers even though i tell them i'm working for media i'm doing on course commentary my producer's about to tell me what number you've, you've got, got right headphones, there micro microphone <laughs> it couldn't be more obvious so yeah but they still won't give you the yardage so sometimes we can have um a little mobile device uh which basically links up to what they're doing so you can have it right there but sometimes we don't use that and and is that a, is that a number. big thing or not um I'm still learning this role. So it's important to understand yardage because then you have an understanding of what club they're going to hit. Yeah. And then you have an, you know, if they're hitting an eight iron, for example, the trajectory of an eight iron is going to go a lot higher than a trajectory of a four iron. So it is important to understand yardage and you don't want to be an idiot and get the numbers wrong because what the viewer is seeing on the TV is different to what I'm yeah. saying. And also you want to paint the picture as well as possible in case people have just made a cup of tea and you know they want to know and understand the shot that i've just described um so it's, it was so much harder than i thought is all i'd Sounds say it. And, and and is it quite a patient learning experience or do you get thrown in the deep end straight off yeah you get thrown in the deep end big really? time so you just expected to do it like, oh, I, again, I remember the first time I did on course commentary, it was horrible. Everyone came back to me and said, how was that? And I said, please don't talk to me. <laughs> oh my days. Yeah. So, so obviously as a golfer, then you can mad. have aspirations. That, it's, I it's crazy. Know. As a golfer, you can have aspirations to obviously keep your tour card, win on tour, win a major, whatever. With kind of the media, then I know you said you kind of not did it for that long and you kind of still, your role's kind of changing. But what's kind of the aspiration within the media then? Is there a certain like job you think I want to do that or can you I don't know if you can say or not or you want to get to that position or such a body does such a good job I'd like to be like them. Like what's kind of the, the goals in the media world then? Yeah, so I'm I'm definitely still trying to work that out. Um like I said to you, Rick, they do throw you in the deep end. So I've done a little bit of on course commentary, a little bit of presenting. Um I've done like the hero challenge where you say a few mm. links and you ask the players a few questions. I've done a little bit of interviewing and in round interviewing, post round interviewing um and so there's a lot of roles out there but what i need to do is understand and identify my strengths i guess 
and see what I enjoy the most and go for it. Which one do you enjoy the most? I really enjoy them all. And that's a very conservative answer. It very is. Answer. It is. But I'm quite t- twitchy. <laughs> Just in case Sky Sports are listening, <laughs> I like everything that I do. Thanks, no, guys. I, no, I really <laughs> do because um, the Kazoo Classic, for example, um, I did two days of Uncle's commentary and two days of in-round and post-round interviews, and I quite like the variation because mm. if you're doing in-round interviews for the whole week, you start to run out of questions, mm. and also having interest in all different departments requires different skills and at the moment I'm really enjoying the new challenge of learning all the different roles so the the honest answer is I, I'm not sure yet and I enjoy the variation and I very much want to see where it goes I don't have a definite answer I'm sorry. and have they locked you in for like a certain amount of years I'm not saying anything I feel like it's like a lot of like all these different angles and it's like <laughs> I just think if you had a time frame to work off or you've got to learn all this in a year, you're like, oh my God, but if it was like, you've got five years to learn all this, this'll be fine. Like You've got more time to chill. Well, there's no definite answer, is there? Like all things, you know, you could easily yeah. lose your job next week. I hope we don't. Every, every, mm-hmm. Not you guys, if it's your show. I called, mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rick's show. <laughs> but I guess from your personality though, and what you've said, you're obviously motivated to be the best at what you do. So once you do figure out what route you actually want to go down, I'm sure you're going to smash it. Thank you. I've I got a million so. more questions mm. about on course. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you something, by the way, with the on course commentary too. Um, the mad bit is, what is the mad bit that I was going to tell you? Oh, I've just had a Rick Shields moment. <laughs> oh, 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 this, uh, <laughs> oh, Rick Shields did. I was, I was dying to tell you. <laughs> yeah, that not, means two things. Now, out of bounds left is a Rick Shields. <laughs> and forget what we're going to say is a Rick Shields. <laughs> I've forgotten now, go on. Um, I... Is it easy to do on golf courses that you've never played? Or do you play every golf course? I get the feeling you don't play every golf course. Not necessarily, no. Is it harder to do on golf courses you've not played? I would say so, yeah. I would think so. Yeah, because if you've played the course before, you know, you understand the shape and the layout of the course. You also understand, you know, the texture of sand because that's going to vary week by week as well. Um, And you understand the strengths and defenses of golf it's all courses. like it's all like the green structures mm. it's like right so he, he, he's in the rough here 177 yards i've just nudged my my gps man he's told me that yardage i've not got it wrong now the challenge is here it's wind hard off the right but this green is very much slow from right to left and if he lands this left of the flag he's going to definitely catch that bunker on the left hand side which is five foot tall and i think like you have to adjust <laughs> but 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 you, I, they, they'd be like jobless. you I could just swap said, no, do the podcast <laughs> and rick can go walking on yeah, the this, course it's all it is it's like a, an interview of like so how, how long have you signed up for <laughs> This will be the Inti show soon. <laughs> For me, what um, what I was trying to get out there, I'd, I'd get, they'd be like, right, cut him off. Yeah. <laughs> you talk too much, cut him There's off. one blade of grass that's a bit long behind his ball. And I'm like, Rory coming up to me and going, Rick, I'm, I'm right here, pal. I'm about oh, to hit my shot. The worst bit is I was at um, uh, Wentworth for the BMW PGA Championship and I was following Ian Poulter's group and he's a, he's a great, great guy and I really enjoy, uh, you know, following him, watching him play and I can't remember which hole it was, but anyway, he could obviously hear me. And the death stare was frightening Ooh, when they can oh hear you. Because obviously these guys are yeah. competing. and It's a very, very tough shot. <laughs> you don't want to <laughs> put them bounds left. So what you need to do is when you have your microphone. He's prone to a shank. <laughs> 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 what you need to do is when you have the microphone and you've got your yardage book, you basically put your yardage book over the microphone so the sound, ah. the sound waves don't travel. Ah, I get yeah. you. That's very clever. So you um, hide, hide yourself. 
have, have you had any run-ins with players? Or are they, are they all fairly nice? Oh, no, they're all very nice. Are they? That's good. And they're... That's the professional answer, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. I <laughs> no, think they so. are. No, I've, I've no issues with anyone. Have you done any on-course commentary? I don't know if you would have done with Tiger. No, but I've played golf with Tiger. <sighs> dun, dun, dun. What? Yeah, this is this is my favourite story. That is? Yeah. So uh, when I was an amateur, I was supported by Nike for yeah. five, six years. and Did you play the old course? Did. I think I'm like seeing this image. Yeah, it feels so surreal, but I t- I promise you, this is a true story. It's a dream come true for any golfer, you know, especially an aspiring golfer to play the home of golf with one of the greatest of all that's time. That's that ridiculous. For me, yeah. that is literally. That's I'd it. rather do that than Augusta with Tiger. I personally, old course <laughs> yes. with Tiger. I'd, it was special. Oh. So this was on the day Tiger arrived in his private jet. And so no one knew that this was the day that he was going to arrive. And when the director of Nike asked me if I'd be interested in this day with Tiger, (laughs) my response was the double act or the real Tiger question mark. (laughs) Because I genuinely didn't think that would be real. And so obviously I said, yep, love to do anything to make that happen. And a week leading up to this day, we got sent through the post a letter from Tiger. Just, yeah, can't wait to welcome you and see you there. Signed by Tiger, which I thought was sick. And you still got that, have you? I still have it. And I've actually very recently got um, the photo from the day and that letter printed off. I stole a few coasters as well because we had lunch um, signed by him and our tag for the day. So I've got everything basically put into one frame which nice. i'm about to frame it's out gonna go in the so new house God. yes <laughs> yeah so um yeah we were there at saint andrews we started off in this tiny little gym room and you've got five bikes lined up and you've got one opposite and so we're all sat on these bikes and i and who are the other four um so lauren white who i believe is now a coach out in the states for college we had Connor Purcells, um, just some other amateurs, basically. So as- aspiring amateur golfers who Nike were kind of keeping their eye on. Supporting, yeah. I guess so, yeah. And so, yeah, it was a total of five of us, and I was very lucky to be in the middle seat. And so when we knew that Tiger was going to come, because we had the security guards, we had his probably managers all radioed up saying, he's coming down the stairs, he's turning this corner. And what year corner. is this? Oh, this is 2015 or something. I feel like I was. I feel like I'm. I'm going to Google it. I feel like I've seen this image. You might, you've posted on your Instagram. Definitely, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, of course this. I have. Course Why wouldn't I? Once a week. But yeah, I remember we were all discussing within each other. You know, are we going to get off our bikes? Are we going to stay on when we're greeting him? Do, do we bow? Do we curtsy? Do we bow? Do we, you know. And I remember when he stepped into the room, I literally felt like god has walked into the room and i'm not even joking even his skin looked artificial because obviously he had his gym top on he had like a blue tank top and his arm was just glistening i was like are you real (laughs) and so that was an incredible experience and he knew all of our names as well so he said hi lauren nice to meet you i'm tiger hi ben i'm nice to meet you i'm tiger he said hi Incy. i said hi you know, it's the most amazing <sighs> thing. So I've never pedaled so hard in my life. I've just absolutely. And what was it? Buckets. Was it a class? Was he doing a, like a? Gi- no, it was. Like it's just an opportunity to promote Tiger and the Open. His kind of comeback. Yeah, but, but the bike the bit the, on the bike. What was that about? It was just part of the day. Right. Showing how he trains. Yeah, the PR thing. That yeah, was. exactly. So we're asking him questions about how he trains and why he trains and all this sort of stuff. And then from the gym, we went to the practice ground. So he kind of 
spent time with all of us and he was asking us loads of questions he was it was not about him it was all about us which was amazing i wasn't actually that nervous because he made us feel very comfortable yeah and um and did you say you were 15 uh, it was 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 it was the year of the open i think it was was just before how old were you then uh, oh god, quick maths. Um, seven years ago, um, twenty-five, no, no, 18, eighteen, something like that. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we on the driving range. I hit his driver. He was like, "Go on, have a go at mine." Oh my I was god, like, this is sick. And then we played uh, the last three holes on the old course um, as a six ball as well. Why not? That's and the then, ones to play as well, isn't it? It's just I like know. the. Oh. And then obviously at St Andrews, it's. It's an intimate town. Everyone knows everyone, and the and the word goes out. Around? Tigers around, and then there's crowd that starts to appear. And then from there, we went to a different building, which is where we had our lunch to wrap up the day. No cameras, no photographers or videographers or anything. It was just five of us and Tiger. And um, by the time we went back downstairs to leave, and that was the end of the day, the whole building was surrounded by people. I've never seen anything like it. And that's I actually felt sorry for him in that moment because I thought wow he really you know yeah. that he's amazing and you know people love him and they just want to see a glimmer of him but in that moment i really felt quite sorry for him i thought wow this is your life i'm speechless you think awesome. is though you might have stopped playing competitively because awesome. you've completed golf like you've played golf at tiger woods like <laughs> what, that else, is, what else was I'm there done. i can go tomorrow and I'm it's packing. his fault <laughs> It is, isn't it? Yeah, there's nothing else to play for. Well, that was it. You turned, you, you pretty much turned pro not not long after, and you were like, "Well, I've played a tiger. I played with yeah. Tiger at St Andrews last three holes. Yeah. Intimate dinner with him. Hit his driver. Well, there's five others as well. Forget that. <laughs> that is, yeah. Oh, sorry, also- sorry, Lauren White. Like, yeah. like, whatever. And um, because we were in Scotland, we asked him, "Oh, have you ever tried Iron Brew?" He's like, "No, never tried Iron Brew." So, because he ordered uh, Coke You're at the table. You're a big fan of Iron Brew. I like Iron oh, Brew I'm in Scotland. Like I do in Scotland. But he had never tried Iron Brew before. I don't know if you're saying that, but I genuinely do believe him. I don't think he would I'm have gonna done I'm going to choose yeah. to believe it. So, he had Iron Brew for the first time with us. Oh, yeah. Tastes great. He took his Iron Brew virginity. <laughs> wow. that That's pretty epic. Yeah, it's like, amazing. It's a, yeah, it's an amazing story. And Imagine, mm. open, mm. 2022, year in, the old course. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you're presenting, you're on-coursing, you're whatevering, yeah. whatever, whatever skill you decide that they decide to put you in. <laughs> Big T comes up. Hey, you scared my driver that time. Hey, <laughs> hey, what would you like him to call you, Ince or Incy? Just whatever he wants. <laughs> it could work. Hey, Incy, little fist pump. Good to see you again. Oh. You remember that time when you showed me how to drink Iron Brew? <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. I would hope he remembers my name. Oh my god! Probably doesn't. That, that here's, a, here's a question for you guys: Do I want to play with Tiger Woods at the old cost? Yes, I do. Thanks. <laughs> if you've got his number, yes. <laughs> no. Um, if you had to make a big prediction for 2022, it could be anything you want it Kay. to be. What are your predictions? Ooh, that's very good. Um, my prediction. Hmm. I've just asked you the question, not thought about it myself. It it's just right. came to me. Is like I should know the answer to this. I've got two. Okay. There's going to be a hole in one on the par four. Ooh, interesting. And Bryson DeChambeau is going to be world number two by the end of this year. Okay. I think Rory's going to win a major this year. Yep. I know that's not the boldest shout. We've said it's seven years this year now that he's not won a major for. That's amazing. And I've got a feeling this year, maybe at the old, I've just got a feeling that Rory's going to win one. I feel like his game has 
trending you probably see him more like you see more of him mm. it seems like he's more chilled and relaxed and yeah I, I mean Rory's a lovely guy and this is my personal opinion but I think having a professional caddy rather than a mate could make a huge difference potentially oof exclusive i i don't know <laughs> i'm a bit nervous saying it because no, he obviously knows what he's doing of obviously. course yeah um i think it, i think it's it's one of those you can't imagine someone with his talent hasn't won more but but i'm sure i've read something today he's won something along the lines of 10 percent of the tournaments that he's entered that seems high i'm sure I've he heard put that it, somewhere i'm sure, I'm sure he podcast even, or something he did no laying up didn't know they yes. not podcast and he yes. said it in that yeah. and it was like i've played in 300 events and i've won 30 of them mm. and it, uh, might, that might be too many yeah, that's actually about right that seems very high but, but like but that is 10 percent. that's mad that isn't it it is mad yeah whatever where, however many tournaments he played he's, he's won 32 times and, he's, and he must have played in 32 320 yeah. events that sounds about right doesn't it yeah because it's an incredible stat and it also if you go on the official world golf rankings and you just scroll through his performances, yeah. it, that is impressive. Mm. To f- I mean, to win a tournament is tough, as we all know. Even if you're the best in the game, it's tough to week, win week by week by week. Yeah. But if you look at Rory McIlroy's record and how high up he finishes pretty consistently mm. yeah. too, every time he tees it up, I think that says a lot as well. I hate to but say it. We just it. want to see him win another yeah. major, I think right? If it was three rounds, he'd win. He'd yeah. won 100 tournaments. Potentially, Ooh. he always seems. He does always throw in. Mm. He doesn't start well, or doesn't finish well, and he's always he said this out loud as well. If it was three rounds, he'd win. I think if he wins another major, though, I think he's going to run. Yeah, because again, you think about 2014, how long that was. But jokes had before you'd played a tie game, probably in your memory, think how long that feels ago now. Mm. That was like a year after he last won a major, and he've had all that time since. If he but gets you've, one, you've, you've played golf, quick golf, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, in that time That's frame, nice. and now got into media. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's crazy. What um, what now? Part of like your obviously job role, the media, and everything else that you're doing. What do you envision? Um, I'm not trying to trying to work out what the actual question is here. It's almost like what do you enjoy? What what do you not like about it? Like obviously you travel, mm. you're putting the pressure on air. Are these things that you'll probably get used to? Are these things that are, are kind of part and parcel of the job? Yeah, I think initially when you get thrown into deep end you see a lot of things as the unknown and now I've got a taster of it I'm starting to really enjoy the unknown and I've come to a level of acceptance telling myself do you know what there'll probably be situations where you're live and a camera's lost signal and you don't know what you're going to do but you're going to have to freestyle Mm -hmm. you're going to have to work it out and that's actually quite exciting now. Whereas in the very beginning, that would be pretty frightening. Of course. So I've come to a level of acceptance of, do you know what? I'm really looking forward to these challenges. Um, and I guess I'm a bit of a home bird too. So I like being at home and it's always been very important for me to be present. And that's, you know, to be around near my mum. Mm. I've got a dog as well. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got a family, like you know, boyfriend and his family and friends, and I'd, I'd like to be present yeah. because I guess being a amateur golfer, striving to 
you know be one of the best you've got to make lots of sacrifices mm. you miss out on all the parties and you don't go out and then when you start doing that over the years you start to distance yourself from people yeah and that's not intentionally and no one takes that personally but they might not invite you because they know that you're going to yeah. be away and whatever it is you might miss weddings yeah and, and you miss weddings events. and whenever someone asks me are you free for this 90 percent of the time is oh, i'm away yeah, i'm competing or i'm working now or i'm doing this i'm doing i'm away yeah and a little bit of you goes but you can't at the same time you can't complain because i know what i've got myself in for it's the best job in the world now i really love it and it's really limitless in what you can do in this world you know the world is your oyster so i wouldn't change it for anything but it does come with that have you got your amateur status back no are you gonna bother or not i just received an email from the let that i've not renewed my membership so i i I will definitely keep my professional status i don't think i would consider going back because did you play in some role series events yeah yeah but that was when i wasn't really practicing i just I I was so confused and I I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I I competed in the Rose Series and I think they were really, really good events and I think they'll grow as well. Um just dip your toe in just to see if if it's if still got it, yeah. Then, I don't know, yeah. yeah. Why, how come you played in them? Just for fun, because I right. love playing, I love competing. Um and I wanted to see how well I did. That that was simply the only reasons why I wanted, and they're one day events. You know, yeah, yeah. they're pretty local. You don't get um, many one-day events, so whenever you do, I'd make the most That's of it. That's a nice golf I would course still, as well. If, if there was a Rose Series event next week and, and it was just a day and I was free, I would totally play in it. That's good. Yeah, 100%. Think, well, last question then. Are we... Thinking, yeah, no, yeah, it's good. good. I'm um, intrigued. I, like, I feel like, and, and again, I've seen a glimpse into your world and I want to know like more of like the, the, the almost the, the geeky things about broadcasting, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> so you stumped us a bit then with the um, predictions. So... Two questions then for you. Ooh. One thing that you love about golf, one thing that you hate about golf. I'll go for the love question first. Good. I feel like this is a new topic, as a new feature. You know, it's just that like I, I love golf. I love everything about it. I love what it's done for me and I love the game. But there's also things I hate about golf. And I think that's sometimes like any relationship, not hate's a strong word, but dislike would like to change maybe. Yeah. But for this topic, we'll call it love or hate. So what would you, what would you love? What would I you would love? say what I love about golf is that anyone can play it and we've got a great handicap system put in place so I could play with a I don't know if I had an 80 year old granddad so I could <laughs> probably play with him and yeah. he could have a handicap and we can still keep it competitive yeah and so I think that's really cool because if I wanted to play tennis instead you, you need an opponent mm -hmm. and if they're way better than you you can't play against your 80 year old granddad no, you can't. Tennis. So I think that's the beauty of our sport. We can really play with anyone and everyone, yep. mm. which I think is pretty cool. What do I hate about the sport? Um, that's such a tough question. Maybe there's I nothing. Could, uh, I would, <laughs> I would, firstly, I would say hate is a strong word. Yeah. Uh, but However, I'm confident that a lot of golfers will be able to relate with me. I hate how it can... <laughs> That's come from being like <laughs> strong with How has that come from that to that? I hate how it can really ruin your mood. Ah, that's a how great it can really one. Really play love that. with your emotions. I love that. You know, you could be this yep. lovely, sweet person and you get out onto the golf course 
and you turn into a monster. I hate how it can actually ruin well, your you, day. That circles us back to <laughs> at the end of the podcast, a very nice to start when you said everyone that plays golf is a little bit weird because we are, aren't we? we play this game that in in theory is so nice and so peaceful, but only true golfers know actually it's fucking annoying. It mm. is, isn't it? What if I threw the question into your side? What do you love and hate about it, guys? I, so I played the other day for the first time in a while. Um, I went on my own, actually, weirdly, and a little day trip out. And I, I just loved, the, there's a course I never played, and I loved this this feeling of kind of being on my own and walking to a tee on this nice course and not knowing what I was going to see. Was it a par three? Was it a par four? I didn't have a scorecard in my pockets. So I had no idea. And it's quite like a bit deep. This was like so mindful just in the moment. Like mm. my next shot was the most important thing in my life at that moment in time. So that's what I love about golf. I think what I hate, and it's doing a lot to, to change, I hate some of the... I, I love the traditions. I love St. Andrews. I love that cult, like historic. But I also hate more, like, I hate, how do I word it? The barriers, maybe? Yeah, the, the barriers. And this isn't necessarily golf's fault, but the perceptions sometimes and some of the rules that are still in place at some golf courses and how there's dress codes. I think I'm not, people have different opinions on that. I saw a really good thing somewhere recently about dress codes and that, like, it was a golf course that's changed its perception on how it wants to be seen. And they said that, when you go out for a nice meal, sometimes it's dress codes, but very rarely. But you still go and dress nicely because it's just how you want to feel good. They said, we've dropped our dress code, but we still think people will come smart because they want to feel nice on the golf course. But yeah, there's just, I think it's more for me, what I can hate is a strong word, but it's that, it, it is, it's that like, it's perception of the game. Sometimes there's sn- people that are snobby around it and some of the rules that just don't make, like only playing a four ball. If I go on a Sunday and the, the course is absolutely dead, why can't you play in a six? If people are behind me, let I'm them through. I'm so with you on that. T- Tiger and Incy have done it. That's what I mean. Like, <laughs> in reality, I know if everyone's hit off in a six ball, it's going to be slow, clearly. But at a lot of golf courses, you could literally go at nine o'clock at night on a summer's night for like three holes. You couldn't play in a six. Yeah. Why? Like, things like that. After it. I, I wasn't prepared for the answering it myself, actually. What about you, Rick? I thought I could answer this really easily, but I'm, I must admit I'm slightly struggling. On the hate one? Or? Probably on both sides. Obviously, I love lot, but like, what's the what's the one thing? Yeah, it's, it's the love part is like five or six different strands of folds or whatever. But the one that kept coming to to the top of my head, and I'm not quite sure why, is I love how golf is becoming and is cool. Mm. I really feel like there's a massive change. Changed dramatically. So on on the flip side of of your hate a little bit, how it's perception is sometimes one side. I also think that is really changing. changing. Unbelievably quick. I think social media is a big one for that. And like celebrities, footballers playing golf and posting about it. Do you think the Bryson and Kepka match was, you know, do you think that's good for the game? I don't think it did any damage. Yeah, I would agree. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I would still remember this like, I reckon now if I rewound time to, to a 20-year-old Rick and I, I wanted to be a golf pro, whatever it may be, and I work in golf, I would almost pretend, and this was probably before um, my wife, let me just check my dates, yeah, I think it's about right, <laughs> just before I was 20. If I was chatting up a girl, whatever, and it'd be like, what, what do you do? I'd almost be quite scared to say I'm a professional golfer. Yeah. Like, it feels like it comes with this kind of baggage. Yeah. Like I'd almost pretend I'm a marine scientist or I'm a dolphin trainer or something. <laughs> I did actually have business cards saying dolphin <laughs> trainer. But like, I feel like now I'll go to a party or whatever and I'm like, people say, what do you do? I go, I'm a golf pro and, mm. I, and I'm, I'm a YouTuber. And I'm like, you're, you're a golf pro. <laughs> 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 do 
start spitting in the yeah. you start drooling. The drink <laughs> You're gone for like, what like, what does that involve? What's this? Like, it just feels like. Sometimes I break 85. Like. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I feel like now it's, it's it, whether it's my own perception, but I do think like no, social media. Definitely. Cool people play golf now, mm. don't What's they? What's the guy that plays Spider-Man? Uh, Tom Holland. Tom he Holland. plays golf. You've got loads of football. Loads of footballs. Loads of celebrities. People like Buddy You and, and like, Niall like Horan, cool, all those people. young, fashionable, interesting. It was talking about you. Stop talking about People like, like, not you, but a bit like you. <laughs> a little bit like, like Lauren White. Like yeah, she, Lauren. <laughs> Huge fan. Let's go on the podcast. <laughs> um, hate side of it. There's, there's probably there are things definitely I, I i just hate the the suit parade so almost the, the complete opposite of what is yeah. making golf cool mm. what's holding golf back yeah it's almost it's almost the, the kind of suit parade like i won't name names but I, I looked inside a clubhouse a very 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 famous clubhouse recently and i hated what i saw in it mm. and i was like oh I totally know what you mean. That's kind of what we need to change. Mm-hmm. We, we're not we're on the outside, and a lot. It's cool. It's fashionable. The golf attire has changed. The golf equipment's changed. Like as much as you know, obviously my, my job is to review equipment. It looks so much cooler these days. Mm. It's better. Like everything about about it, the golf bags, the everything about it, the way that it's broadcast on TV, it's better. The way that golf uh, YouTube makes golf look, it's better. But still, you've got this kind of inside this super, super, super famous clubhouse where you've got to wear a tie past a certain time, and it's and it's a bit snooty, and it's a bit the golf is ours, mm. and it's like nah. It's Do you know not. what I would it's, love to see more of as well? And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this too. I, personally, I think Formula One are doing a fantastic job with their broadcasting and their content. And I've never really got into Formula One until the last year, really. But when the driver's in their cars, you know, they're supercars, you've got cameras in there, they're all mic'd up as well. You can hear how they're communicating with their teams. I think that's really insightful. And I don't know if it'll be great or awful for the game, but it'd be pretty cool if we could hear the caddies and players talking more about their shot, how it's sitting, you know, getting proper insight and hearing all of that. I think from a broadcasting perspective, I think that would be huge. Well, it was voted on, wasn't it? The players got the option to vote yes. and, they've, and they categorically voted no. And you can understand why. Mm-hmm. Because well, gonna, it's, it's a long round of golf. Well, they're going to say something that's going to get them in trouble. It's like the Justin Thomas thing, wasn't yeah. it, and stuff. Yeah, they, you they're going to say something why. that's going to get them in trouble. But you're right. As a, as a brand piece, I'm a bit similar to you. I've just got into F1 quite recently in the last kind of three to four months. I, I cannot believe how invested I've got in the drivers. Mm. Like, un, like, joking aside, when we were chatting about it yesterday, didn't I sound like I knew a lot yeah. about the drivers? For me, because I don't know anything about it, so you didn't sound like you like, know loads. Because I feel like I do. Mm. Like Weirdly, I feel like I really know these 20, 22 drivers, and I feel like in golf, I probably I don't really know, really, really know that many of them. Mm. Like, And it's part of their responsibility, if they wanted to grow as individuals, it's the, it's the responsibility of golf as a whole and how it's broadcast and maybe tournaments. And there's obviously loads of talks about these potential breakaway leagues or whatever this may look like that's going off this this almost um uh formula of formula one as such it'll be really interesting to kind of see how that how that comes out but you're I, on your 
right now, what could be improved for this year, this very year now, if you were to mic up the players and the caddies and all sorts, be cool just, for us. just get such a better insight. But- also, I think having that new Netflix series come out, yes, yeah. be interesting. The Drive to Survive equivalent, I guess, yeah. for the PGA Tour players, I think, would be huge as See, well. See, weirdly, I'm, I've got so into F1 yet, I've not watched that yet. Uh, but you know, no, you should watch I, it. I know, well, it. Well, I know that that's what got that's what's got a lot of people into mm. F1. Yeah, mm. um, I kind of got into F1 round the kind of backside, and and then I probably will pick up on Drive to Survive and things like that, and really kind of go deep in investments early mm. this year. But like all things, the more you know about it and understand it, the more interesting it is, right? Exactly. Definitely. Like you, Incy. Thank you. We've learned a lot about you today. And I feel more invested and happier that we got you on the podcast. Yes, for And sure. I cannot wait to see what you do in the future because I honestly genuinely believe you are fantastic for the game and fantastic at what you do on the broadcasting is just phenomenal. Because I think when you've got an insight of a player and you're putting them in that situation, I think that the information that gets passed over back to the viewer is really valuable. Thank um, you. So you're killing it. Keep it up. Yeah. Keep smashing it. got a tear on my eye. Don't worry. Oh. No big deal. There's no tissue around there. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Keep Ray. killing it. And uh, look forward to seeing you in the future. And maybe we should shoot a video. Yeah, I'd love to. Ex-Lady Tour Pro. <laughs> you comment on Rick. He's got a horrible lie here. He's going to hit that shot. Hope he doesn't shank this one. Shank yeah. written all over this one. No, it was awesome. Thanks so much. And everyone for, for listening and for watching. If you want to rate us on Apple, five stars. You can rate on Spotify now as well, Rick, which is nice. If you want to rate on so. Spotify, give us five stars. Check out Inti on our all social. We'll put them down below. And uh, see you all soon. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks right. for watching. Thank Any you. last words? Just thank you so much. Oh. That was good fun. And a cool studio as well, by the way. Thank you. Cool to see it in person. Way better than skies. (laughs) (laughs) Cool the mics. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 